Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good night, depending on where you are, what time you are listening to this. My name is Winston, and this is another episode of the Revenue Alignment Podcast, and I will be your host. Thanks again, guys, for joining me for another episode. And this week, we'll be talking about the topic, all content is not created equal, and your content strategy shouldn't be either. So... The last time we were here, I spoke about aligning marketing and sales to drive the entire funnel. So this week, I thought I would continue on that topic by expanding on one of the stages I mentioned, which is the content mapping stage. And this is basically what type of content you need at each stage of the funnel. I'm also going to take it a bit further by also discussing what metrics you should pay attention to in order to determine how effective your content is. Now, this is important because often as marketers, we are constantly talking about content creation and the quality versus quantity debate. Uh, More recently, we started having discussions around content distribution, but almost no one has ever really brought up discussion around measuring your content marketing efforts like how do you know whether or not the content you're putting out there is actually effective or if you're wasting money on marketing spend right this actually reminds me (laughs) of a story um I, i was in a client meeting some time ago and the vp of marketing was asking me about my process for creating and repurposing content and of course you know i not i not that question um out of the part because you know that's what I've been doing for pretty much the last five years and then she asked me how do I measure the effectiveness of the content and my response was what you would typically hear you know views engagement web traffic and so on and her response was hmm but it was it was a type of hmm that says I'm not really confident in that response. Now, in that moment, I quickly realized my mistake. Now, now check this, guys. I missed the metric. I missed her you should know how every marketing activity is tied to business outcomes. Yet, in that moment, I messed up. And I can admit that I messed up because I had never really given it much thought to how to measure content throughout the entire funnel. So I mentioned this to you guys because even I, who should know better in that moment, didn't do better. However, I've learned from my mistake. And so I want to help you guys do the same. That's if you don't already have some sort of process in place um, as to how you measure the effectiveness of your, your content. Now, another thing to consider is making distinction between which content is for brand building and thought leadership versus which is for demand gen and ABM and not lumping all content together as one, but being strategic and intentional about the content you create. Understand that not all content is created equal and different content pieces plays a different role at different stages of the funnel, right? So when looking at this, you have to think about it in terms of your overall macro high-level content strategy like what specific business outcome you're working towards. But then you also have to take into account your micro or 
I guess you could call it sub content category that you'll execute at different stages of the funnel because buyers thought process is different depending on where they are in the in, in their journey. You know, someone who just wants to be educated isn't the same as someone who is researching a solution and also isn't the same as someone who is trying to make a purchasing decision about which vendor they should choose. So you have to keep that in mind. Now, the metric used to measure content are determined by two things. One, which I've mentioned briefly, which is the stage of the funnel because, you know, buyers don't see content at the awareness stage the same way how they look at content at the consideration stage. But the second thing is also the objective at that specific stage of the funnel. So for example, at the top, the purpose is for branding, it's for building brand affinity, right? While at the bottom, the purpose is converting sales opportunities to paying customers. Therefore, how we would measure content for someone who enjoys consuming your content isn't the same how you would measure content that a buyer who is um, using, using your content to make a purchasing decision. It's not the same thing. So I'm, I'm repeating this for emphasis so you understand how important it is. It is also important to make this distinction clear to leadership, which is which. Which content asset investment will drive a direct return in the short to medium term and which content asset investment are for branding and will indirectly lead to a desired business outcome in the long term. So let's break it down. So just to go over the three levels again, there is a brand activation stage and this is content that is used to build brand and create brand affinity. The next stage is the demand gen and, and lead gen stage where now we're talking about driving qualified leads, whether through inbound or outbound uh, methods. Also remember, based on our last discussion, we mentioned this stage can be further broken down into three more stages where we start to get granular as to what is our exact process for generating these inbound and outbound leads. Finally, there is the sales conversion stage where now we're talking about lead nurture programs for active pipeline opportunities, but also for delayed and dormant pipeline opportunities that require nurturing or re-engaging those dormant um, pipeline opportunities that have gone cold. Brand activation content is what I call category or industry level content. It's not meant to drive any leads or new business per se, though that will happen from time to time. But it's mostly meant to give a different perspective or point of view on a topic or issue that if affects the industry as a whole. Therefore, the Revenue Alignment podcast will be considered industry level content at the brand activation stage. It's meant to address the problem of the industry, which in this case is marketers struggling to prove their value at a C-suite level. Now, if you're doing a good job with your content here, then it starts to build brand affinity. You know, people who agree with your point of view will be drawn to your brand and start to like your brand. There are other types of content you can create here that builds brand affinity, such as, you know, telling your story or entertainment content and on TikTok, for example, that resonates with your audience. Here is where you get a bit more flexibility and get to flex your creative muscles a bit more. But the most important thing is to ensure that it's relevant to your audience 
and you're not just creating content just for the sake of filling your content calendar just for the sake of saying well we posted on social media today so how we would measure this type of content is based on certain things so number one number of podcasts downloads or streams you know number two number of content downloads whether we're talking about a white paper or an ebook um you know number three content consumption time meaning how much of the content the audience consumes number four you know engagement numbers and levels so this is where we're paying attention to social media engagement numbers um is key to to let you know if your content is resonating with your target audience the next one is time on page and number of page views if your content is on your website then we have total web traffic numbers and growth as a result of people visiting your website to consume the content returning visitor growth numbers is actually a good one because it tells that your content is actually valuable to people it resonates with them and so they're coming back to your website for more unique visitor growth number is actually a good one as well because this tells you that new people are discovering your content for the first time so it tells you that the reach of your brand is actually expanding beyond your your immediate network or beyond your your typical um audience numbers or audience i should say then we have reach and impressions um is also a good one to pay attention to at this stage and finally you have qualitative feedback which would be something like people saying i really enjoyed that video or podcast or article on on that you know particular topic that you spoke on i want to point out something here notice these are all the metrics i would typically call vanity metrics because they don't drive any business outcome directly but it doesn't mean they aren't important at this specific stage of the funnel because they are letting us know that we are on the right track with the type of content and the topics we choose to speak on and that it resonates with our audience so the issue isn't with the metrics themselves the issue is where marketers are using these metrics to determine the success of their marketing which is why reporting on these metrics to your ceo doesn't work because their purpose isn't for driving returns on investment and that's what your ceo cares about which is why when you report on these metrics um you know you'll you'll often uh you know leave that meeting feeling as though your ceo doesn't get marketing or they don't value marketing where that's not really the case you're just reporting on on metrics that they don't really care about but you know as i mentioned still important so you can't leave it up to your ceo to know this or expect them to know this you have to educate them that content created at this stage is not meant to drive business outcomes directly so it's not a direct correlation between content and revenue however it is still important to create this type of content because it builds brand affinity and brand affinity means we attract higher value deals it means we expand the reach of the brand when content is shared and it becomes recognizable so it helps our sales team gain access to key accounts that we otherwise wouldn't have gotten access to if they didn't know the brand it helps to shorten our sales cycles and therefore saving on sales resources it increases our chances of customers choosing us over our competition because they have affinity for the brand so you have to explain the business benefits in a way that is important to your ceo otherwise you'll have a hard time convincing them 
why they should invest uh, marketing resources to create branding content that won't directly drive revenue growth. The next stage is the demand and legion stage. At this stage, we're talking about revenue generating marketing activities or content. So everything or almost everything has to be how your content directly drives revenue and you can attribute that spend to, to business outcomes. So here we're measuring things like, you know, well, let, let me go into the type of content a bit. So we're talking about like problem awareness content and solution awareness content and content that has call to action to it. So problem awareness would be you help the, the buyer become aware of a problem that they either didn't know that they had that they needed needed to solve for or probably they 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 were experiencing the symptoms of the problem but they didn't really know how to describe the problem that they were facing you know solution type content would be you pro providing that solution in content educational content form that helps them to you know whether they choose to or not to actually solve the problem on their own but oftentimes it leads to them considering your brand as as the one to solve the problem because you provided so much educational value for them and then we're talking about content that that has a direct call to action you know so it's click here for uh, a, a free trial or click here to speak to a sales rep or to book a, a demo call so these are direct call to action type content so here we're measuring lead count so that could either be the number of inbound leads and the number of outbound leads um, we're also measuring lead to demo meeting ratio so you know how much are what's, what's the ratio between someone becoming a lead to them actually booking a demo or a meeting then you have meeting to opportunity ratio, cost per lead, cost per opportunity created, sales cycle timeline breakdown. So we're looking at how much time did it take for a lead to actually, you know, someone that became a lead to actually book a demo or a meeting. And then how long after they actually booked that demo or, or had that meeting did they actually become an, an opportunity? We're also looking at buyer community familiarity and affinity for the brand and content. So, you know, you can probably measure this on a scale of 1 to 10, like, you know, 1 being the lowest in terms of the lowest affinity and 5 being the highest affinity for the brand based on the content that you would have shared with specific individuals that are a part of this buying committee. The next one is content consumption, but this is within a content hub. So... The difference here is you're paying attention to if the people who you would consider your ideal customers that you want to buy, what it is that you offer, are they consuming your content? Now, this is different than content consumption at the brand activation level because you can have people at the brand level consuming your content, but they aren't your buyers or fall within your ICP. Or even if they do... At the brand activation stage, they may not be in a buying mood right now. So apart from that, in terms of the metrics um, that you measure, there are some things you also want to take into consideration at this stage of the process when measuring the effectiveness of your marketing and content. You know, things such as accuracy of positioning. And that is, do your target buyers immediately get the message that you're communicating or get your positioning and immediately can make the connection between what you offer and how it benefits them. Accuracy of identifying ICP and 
you know, because there are times where the people who you think are your ideal customers are actually not your ideal customers. So you may have to tweak and redefine that a bit as you as you go along. Um, how much messaging and content resonates with your ICP? So we're talking about relevancy here. Um, product market fit. So how well does your product address a particular customer segment or your ideal um, customers? How well does your, your product offering um, solve for the problem that they have? And the next one to also consider is how well you defined your ICP challenges. Then you also want to look on a level of understanding of common challenges of target accounts. So um, probably you may have a common challenge that you realize across you know, several of your, your target accounts. Um, and how well do you actually understand those, those challenges or that common challenge, I should say, of those target accounts? Then the final one is how well or content educated um, your ICP on solution to those challenges. Did you do such a great job with educating them that it leaves no question in their minds who the best choice is for them? This second stage will reveal all of this to you. This is where you learn and make adjustments to your marketing execution, to your content creation, to increase your conversion rates and the ability to deliver greater business outcomes with your marketing budget. The ultimate goal is how to drive a greater ROI for the business while keeping your marketing spend to the same or being able to reduce it while still producing um, those, those greater ROIs for, for marketing spend. Now the final stage is the sales conversion stage. So here we're looking at content based on what converted a pipeline opportunity to a paying customer. The only thing that matters here is conversion. Nothing else matters and anything else at this stage in terms of what you're measuring um, at the funnel is, that, is actually a distraction. There are two ways to look at this final stage in terms of lead nurturing to close, which is active nurturing and passive nurturing. Active nurturing are for opportunities that you're still actively engaging with. This means that they're still showing they're interested in becoming customers and they may just be taking time to get a few questions answered to feel 100% comfortable with their decision. Or it could be a case where you know decision maker who is to make the final sign off on the contract hasn't done so as yet. Therefore, there is a slowing, so to speak, of the sales process. Whatever the reason is, the approach doesn't change. Here is where you need to create content that keep buyers within the opportunity engage. So you can create and send snippets or clips of client testimonials or send a document with your ways of working and your process or even a video briefly explaining what they can expect once they start working with you. I mean, if you want to really take it a bit further, you could even do a workshop if possible, you know, probably like a 30 minute or a one hour workshop um, with Q&A at the end, which basically shows them, you know, breaks it down on a more granular level, what it would be like working with them or what it would be like working with you. However, you have to ensure that all stakeholders involved in the buying and execution, as well as a primary decision maker is a part of this workshop. The goal is to increase the speed to close so we need everyone who influences that happening to be a part of this workshop. So with active nurturing, you want to measure metrics such as opportunity to close ratio, 
um, time from opportunity to close, total sales cycle length in terms of the number of days, um, your CAC, which is your customer acquisition cost, and this is the average money that was spent to acquire a single customer. You also want to pay attention to CAC playback period, which is you know how long will it take to make back the money invested to acquire customers, which is typically calculated over a 12-month period. Now, here's something most marketers never think about, which is what happens to those opportunities in our pipeline that don't convert when we expect them to or goes cold? What do we actually do? And this is where passive nurturing comes in. Now, unlike active nurturing, passive focuses on accounts or opportunities that have been delayed past the average sales cycle length or expected time to close. Or it may be opportunities that have gone completely cold. So you'll have to re-engage the person or the account almost as if it's a new lead um, without it being <laughs> actually being a new lead. So hopefully that makes sense. So here you can create content around success stories or testimonials from other clients, case studies, educational content around a problem you know this account or person struggles with. Basically, the point is to warm back up this account while keeping the brand top of mind until they make a final decision to either move forward to close or to just abandon the, the solution completely. But the important thing is that you, you, you really want to keep top of mind until they make a decision for themselves. So typically for me, I, I like to use drip email campaigns here. And these are emails that will go once every month or every other month because you don't want to bombard them with a lot of emails to irritate them, but just enough that they remember you during their quarterly review meetings. Another tactic I, I like to use is to add individuals within these accounts to LinkedIn if it's gone cold. This is because I create a lot of educational content um, on LinkedIn. So I know by adding them, they will see that content and it will keep me top of mind. So something I've, I've done um, recently as well that you could, you could take for yourself is to create YouTube videos but mark them as unlisted and send the links only to specific target accounts. That way it creates a personalized experience as they see I created these videos just for them and no one else. Now, unlike active nurturing, here I'm not so focused on bottom of funnel conversions. Why? Because as I mentioned, you have to treat this as though you're approaching a new lead, even though it isn't. So the goal isn't to get a conversion. The goal is to get engagement, but on a deeper level. So focusing on things in terms of the metrics, such as email open and click-through rates for drip emails, consumption of content for customized web pages just for this specific account, um, qualitative responses that you'll get, you know, such as... I love the, the piece of content you sent on XYZ. We haven't forgotten about you, but things have just been a bit hectic lately, but we'll reconnect soon. Now, responses like this tells me that they're still interested and still engaged, but maybe something beyond their control came up that has to take priority over your solution. And that's okay because, you know, life happens. Another metric I like to pay attention to where passive nurturing is concerned, where I mentioned that I'll add 
persons from individual target accounts. So on LinkedIn, I pay attention to which specific individuals from cool accounts are engaging. So every now and then I will get someone from these accounts liking something or commenting on something I posted. Or even if it's a case where they don't engage, LinkedIn insights on the post will tell me that people from these accounts are viewing my posts. So in closing, the final thing I will say though, guys, is that this approach and framework can also work for B2C um, because, you know, what I described mostly falls within B2B, but it can still work for B2C as well. The type of content may change and there might be slight variations in what metrics are measured. Um, but the concept of creating and measuring content depending on the funnel stage remains the same. The key to success here is not taking a one-size-fits-all approach to your content or your content strategy. It's about you know, learning about your customers, understanding your customers on a deeper level, figuring out what makes them tick and what makes them buy, then using that insight to craft your strategy and your content. So this has been the Revenue Alignment Podcast and that is a wrap. This has been the Revenue Alignment Podcast. Join us next week where we have more amazing content to help you demonstrate, communicate, and prove your value at the C-suite level. I'm Winston, your host, and this is a wrap.